You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here hosting Southside Sox podcast number 32. And it's a very special one because it's opening day, the opening day we've waited a long time for. And it's finally here, April Fool's Day, which seems perhaps appropriate. Uh, I'm joined by Lee Allen of the Sharing Sox podcast. Tommy Barbie has just jumped in from the Killer Bees. And it's Super Joseph Rhesus who just... You know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a free agent podcast guest. He's here with us on opening day. Welcome, guys. It's a big day. Pleasure to be here. Happy opening day, everybody. Tommy, I was just regaling uh, the other two guests with the story of the Miguel Cabrera home run in a blizzard snowstorm. I don't know if you've seen it, but it is definitely the must-watch highlight so far, given that he it's snowing so hard in Detroit, he couldn't see the ball thought it was a double, slid hard into second base, and had to be told it was a home run. So, it was a home run. I, I thought he was going to hurt himself in the process, too. <laughs> I think that was Lee's <laughs> speculation as well. Uh, so, you know, hey, maybe that Cleveland pitching isn't as strong as we think it is, given that they're already behind against the Motown Tigers. But uh, if Cabrera is, uh, is rejuvenated, then all of a sudden the Tigers are a real team. <laughs> you know, we've, we've talked, or at least we've had our article, uh, you know, discussing how the playoffs are going to work out, how the Central Division was going to work out. And, you know, personally, I think the division could be more bunched than it was uh, a year ago. I don't think the Royals and, and Tigers are any sort of threat, but I think well, they almost have to be better. Uh, that doesn't necessarily pull down the top of the division, but uh, there are a couple spoilers in this division this year. 
Yeah, I think if nothing else, there's definitely a factor of um, neither team being kind of the doormat of the Central as they've been in the past, where they might get a few games here and there from the, the top teams in the division. Yeah, I don't think the Sox can count on going 18 and 2 against them uh, again this year. I'm sure it will be winning. I'm reasonably positively winning, but I think if you take two thirds, it'll be good this year rather than 90%. Uh, Tommy, you win the, uh, the best uh, jersey for opening day competition so far. Very nice. Thank you. I, I had to, you know, go with the, the throwback for, for the day. <laughs> Uh, we have uh, Andrew Vaughn making the open day roster, but not starting. He's starting tomorrow, either at DH or left field. So far, two appearances, I believe, in left field. No errors, no misplays, no uh, injuries that we're aware of. Uh, how are we feeling about the Andrew Vaughn left field experiment as we also welcome in Crystal O'Keefe? She'll be joining us here. There she is. Joining the discussion, Crystal O'Keefe on opening day. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how the Vaughn experiment will work out as far as his ability to play left fields. I am, it's still far too early to call from the very small amount that he has played left field. And I do think it is a little bit underwhelming to maybe have to rely on someone who has never really played left field at a high level when we're in a season that should be resulting in a postseason appearance. So that part is a little disappointing, but uh, I hope that the experiment goes well and that he's able to take over left field duties and uh, hopefully to the point where he... Uh, won't even have to do so like in a pinch to where he'll even be a viable option um, even without Eloy being injured. Joe, if he pulls this off, future arbitration cases for any left fielder are going to be really, really gutted. If a guy can literally come in who's a passable and probably pretty decent first baseman and just play flawless left field, even with Luis Robert to the left of him, uh, that's going to hurt left fielders in the future. I don't have high hopes, but I... It would be really cool if it worked out. You know, our our bar for left field defense is <laughs> is, is pretty low. We all remember <laughs> Carlos Lee. <laughs> uh, I, I happened to look at I, at least one of his games was on the full stat cast. Any uh, not that garbage skeleton stuff we had before. So I, whenever something got hit out to left field, even if, even if it was a ground single to left fielder Andrew Vaughn, I I looked up the percentage and there was nothing that was a challenge or nothing that was that he missed. I mean, it was a 98% chance to get caught or a 98% chance not to get caught. So really there's been absolutely nothing to judge on yet. When I talked to the dugout metrics guys, guys who uh, uh, Trevor, who's just got off a plane in college, uh, Luke Smales, who's still playing in college. I wanted to pose it to them as when you're out there, how easy is it to be told to go against your instincts? Like Aloy apparently has instincts thinking he can steal home runs, thinking he can play in the fishing net and not get caught and end up becoming uh, a sensation throughout social media. And they both were pretty skeptical about the ability to pull that off. Uh, Do we have hope that Andrew Vaughn 
it, it seems like right off the bat, he's listening a little better that it's basically from me to the foul pole and it's Luis Roberts, uh, a ball anywhere else. Do you think a guy like him who's eager to prove himself, he's, he's a rookie, uh, is going to be able to pull off that kind of discipline defensively? I don't think anybody can. They're competitive. I mean, he can be a little more careful, certainly, than a lawyer who was absolutely trying to prove himself. Uh, but uh, That's what he was doing? I, yet they're competitive athletes. When the games are counting, I don't think you can pull back. I, I, I think there's the ball. I'm going to go get it. Yeah. Uh, Crystal, I have to mention, extremely well-cropped background there. Um, uh, apparently a new arrival uh, to the uh, the O'Keefe studio background there. Very nice. Yes, I purposely moved my desk to this corner so that the audience could see it today. I also have um, a lovely Barry Butler calendar. <laughs> all right. We're just, we're just going all out for Chicago media today. Well, on that note, listen, the clear strength of this team, the offense is pretty mighty. The rotation is mightier and hopefully potentially very, very good but the bullpen is about as strong as you can find it. And that's got to give all of us going into the season, a lot of confidence knowing it was already pretty locked down last year with surprise uh, additions or uh, matriculations of uh, Matt Foster, or Cody Hoyer. But now you're adding the best in the game, a guy who wants to pitch like 800 games, who wants to pitch a couple innings a game. Uh, that's a nice, that's a nice card to have in the deck. I will say the addition of Hendricks just makes me so happy. He's a really fun guy. I actually had a kind of fun story with him. We were at, I think it was Harold Baines Day in 2019. We sat right next to their bullpen when he was still on the A's, and he was just having a blast. Like you could tell he was interacting with fans and heckling Sox fans as well. So I'm excited. Like, I feel like he's just going to bring a really good energy into that bullpen and it's going to be fun to watch them react to that. All right. Let me jump in right here because speaking exactly what Crystal just said, uh, Hamster just posted a piece. Uh, we're doing a little bit of intro to the uh, White Sox. We've got a photo day post uh, devoted to all of the new White Sox and some of the old. And then because Liam Hendricks is such a character, he's such a lunatic. Uh, she broke out an entire post just to the different photo day, photo appearances of him. And yeah, the guy's got just a little bit of flavor, a little bit of flair. We've seen it even some of his um, charitable work that he's jumped right into. But certainly, in, in what Crystal's saying, just giving trouble to the fans in the bullpen, he just seems like a guy you want to have. Even facing him in the playoffs, as much as I was thinking, he's at 80 pitches. How's he going to continue performing very well? Uh, he just went out there and took it. The, uh, the rest of you guys, uh, thoughts on this bullpen uh, almost really having no weakness. If Jose Ruiz is your is your weakest arm. I, yeah, it's a very good feeling going into the season, knowing that uh, this is an area of the team where it feels like unless, you know, there's just a catastrophe where there's like a parade of injuries or, um, you know, it, a lot of people just, underperforming compared to expectations. It seems like a lot would have to go wrong for this bullpen to, to be, to not be above average. And that's really nice. Uh, especially because a lot of contenders even kind of have the mindset of at the near, right around the deadline that the bullpen can always be strengthened. And that's always a target that teams are looking to improve on. 
And it's, it's very, very good to have Liam Hendricks there knowing that he'll be able to cover a, a lot of innings in the bullpen and that he's been very reliable and you know, extra credit points to him for the, his data, uh, data driven approach to pitching. Um, he's, Similar to Lucas Giolito in that sense, in that they are both very well informed about how their pitches do against different types of hitters. And uh, the way that they attack hitters is very much uh, driven by data. And I like that a lot about him. He's, he seems like, as you, you all already said, just a terrific guy in, in every way. My one anti Liam Hendricks thing would be where he goes running, if he, if he does something he doesn't like, when you miss the strike zone by a quarter inch, and he goes stomping around the mound, which is fine for show, it's fun to look at, but it takes a long time, Liam. You know, get back <laughs> on the mound, throw the next we, we got this problem with games being too long already. It's a mad Hungarian uh, come right back, uh, a mad Australian, I guess. Uh, uh, he's quite a card. Um if was if who do you think if Hendricks had not been uh, signed and you know there's been a lot of speculation about uh, uh, patching up holes that don't exist uh, who who would have who would have advanced to be the closer on this team assuming Colome was not going to come back uh, is is Cody Hoyer the the closer waiting on this team Bummer Do you think Bummer even though he's a, a southpaw would have would have taken it on just with his experience Yeah. I think Bummer would have been plan A and then Hoyer would have been the backup if, if for whatever reason it didn't work out with Bummer. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, well, let's talk about the offense, right? We've got um, question mark in left field. Uh, Leo Garcia starting out there uh, in the uh, left-handed uh, attack, as it were, for opening night. Um, are there concerns with this offense, given the fact that it did have a little tendency to leave runners on base? It still is perhaps a little strikeout heavy, uh, or should I just be quiet and be happy with the fact that they basically had a winless or only tie first half of, of Cactus League and just kicked ass for the last two weeks of, uh, of spring training? I think there's room to, room to worry. I, I, I think one of the things that all of us do, because we're fans, we go, man, that 2020, man, we 35 and 25. I mean, that's incredible. We've got two things. The biggest one being, the biggest thing to fit is that was an incredibly easy schedule. The schedule that we and the Twins and the Indians all had, where we paid 40% of our games against the Tigers, the Royals, and the Pirates. I mean, you might as well go down to, to Charlotte and take up their schedule. It would have been tougher. So I don't think that... I don't, I don't think that means that we weren't good, but I think we can overestimate how good we were because the pitchers weren't facing very good hitters. Even the teams, I mean, you look, a team like the Cubs, where they had a lot of really good hitters, all of whom stunk. Kristen Yelich was, was hitting, what, 050 or something for most of the season. He's hitting 400 in the spring. He may have recovered. Uh, it was just one of those years and a, and a hugely weak schedule. So I don't, I don't think we'll really know what we've got until uh, maybe six weeks uh, into this season offensively or, or pitching-wise, particularly with some of the, the younger guys who obviously we know Abreu, we know Anderson, but what some of the younger guys, what they really bring to the table against a better level of competition. I remember uh, Joe's uh... – 
bizarre uh, pick for uh, White Sox uh, MVP being Luis Robert, which apparently the Las Vegas gambling lines agree with. So credit to to Joe and apparently his uh, his outfit connections. But uh, I don't really recall who everybody else's pick. I picked Moncada as this. I think probably a safe bet for offensive MVP, but uh, thoughts, whether it's um, guys you might be concerned with or the guy you think is going to be most obvious uh, offensive performer for the Sox this year or all around player performer. I think Moncada. Yeah, I did too. I think it needs to be Moncada to be honest for the offense to be at the same type of level that it was at last year. I keep seeing them when Tim Anderson goes out for a week with some minor injury not being very good. And and I think Tim, we use the, the, the cliche, sets the table. He does it. And if the table's not set, the other guys just don't handle it as well as they do when he's out there and starting things. And I think he can be consistently good. I, I think that some of the prognostications have him hitting 270 or something. He's become so much smarter a hitter than he was when he was hitting 270. He's just a very smart hitter now. And and that helps a lot. I picked for MVP. I picked Tim, but and I saw somebody picked as the MVP, Grandal. And I would say if we had a different category, which is who is the guy you cannot lose, I think it's just Mighty Grandal. I, I don't have. I, yes, I, I I do think that Collins is better than it used to be. The gap between the two of them is just. So huge that if Grandel's gone, I, I think the season has got some real problems. That was James Fox of the White Sox are going to win 96 games. Foxes who picked Grandel as MVP. And that's a really good point because he might be the most essential, which is slightly different from MVP. The thing about Tim Anderson I like too, is we talk so much about how he, he's grown on the field and obviously as a hitter, he won a batting title, but his personality has gotten, I mean, I'll say ridiculous because he went from a guy who was extremely shy as probably most rookies should be, aren't always to a guy who, when we hear him mic'd up, it's like, he would drive me crazy in a poem. I think he would drive me crazy as a teammate. He does not stop. He's relentless. And I think speaking of what Lee's saying, I think there might be something about like, there's a lost limb syndrome where it's like, if they don't hear constant chatter, if, if Tim is off in the training room, you know, getting work in a hamstring worked on, it's like, I'm not sure that they have their, their bearings. And I think he really is this, as much as we talk about Abreu as, 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 you know, the, the grandfather, the, the, the pappy character of, of, uh, of the team. I mean, I mean, the heartbeat and the captain, I, I think it's Tim. I think he's turned into Mr. Dependable. And I mean, what Lee said is right. I think they really do rely on him to just get everyone worked up and ready to go. And when he's, you know, leading off and hitting the ball, I think it just amps everybody up and they go out and they want to do exactly what Tim did because he's kind of their unofficial leader, unofficial spokesperson of the White Sox at this point. And I just love how mouthy and confident he gets now. It was, he was doing an, an interview on one of the, the TV shows, one of, one of the few that, that the, the actual crew did, that Jason and Stoney did. And he did a long, he was out of the game, and he was just sitting down and chatting. And my wife was in the room. My wife does not like baseball. She does not like sports. She doesn't follow sports. But she was in the room while he was having this long conversation. She's going, that's a really sharp and cool guy. Uh, and so he carries over. It's not just the, the, the baseball part of it. 
the uh, the Cincinnati interview on field uh, with AJ Przinsky and whoever the the play by play guy was at the end of last year was absolutely all time classic because if you can be on the field executing, talking to your teammates and giving the booth trouble because he was giving it back just like he gave ESPN trouble I think during a preseason game a summer camp game if you're actually I mean, that's a multifaceted mind right there to be able to, to be giving crap to the booth, to be checking out your bearings on the field. Listen, Tim is clearly a very important piece of this team and a heartbeat of this team. Joe, I'll give you a, a chance to uh, defend your pick of Robert, which is by no means a silly pick because as I think we discussed, uh, his basement might be the highest of any player on this team because no doubt, even if he continues to swing at every single pitch thrown to him, he's going to give you incredible positive gold glove center field value and amazing base running value because I think he's among the uh, stolen base leaders in spring, which may not mean anything, but it does show he's going to be awfully aggressive and he can steal bases at will. So MVP pick, uh, not just because anybody in Las Vegas leaned on you, Joe, but uh, uh, explain that rationale. Yes, that is certainly a big part of it. I like how he, how talented he is in the field and center field is a pretty tricky position to find. And we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, how there's even a, how there's even a remote possibility that Andrew Vaughn in left field might work out, even though he's pretty slow compared to most major leaguers and he hasn't really played that position at a, high level at all so there would be literally zero chance of Andrew Vaughn working out in center field as a viable option so I like how Robert not only is a good defender but he does so at a position that's tough to find Um, and I do have confidence that he will bounce back at the plate he did have that slump in September where he was just kind of in a zone where he was thinking I've got to hit this pitch I've got to hit this pitch and, you know, that was, but uh, that was obviously not a good thing to see after his, the hot start that he had, but uh, he, I feel like at the end and even in the playoff series, he kind of made adjustments and kind of settled a little bit down at the plate. And um, we saw um, him kind of rediscover his power. And of course he did have the big home run in that game three um, and I think that, you know, that was his very first major league experience was in 2020. And he didn't have like a September call up in 2019 where he could have said like, okay, yeah, these are the things that will hurt me at the major league level if I don't change these habits. And he finally got some major league playing time. And I think it'll it'll really pay off this season because at this point he's had the entire off season to go back and say like, okay, I struggled in September. This was kind of why I was struggling and here's what I can do to change it. So I, I'm a big buyer of the Luis Roberts stock and I think he'll have a big year up ahead. Joe, you're acting like there's no science to the uh, manipulation of service time. I, boy, I'm I'm really surprised (laughs) at you because you're a data analyst. Uh, Okay. Now I'm not going to ace. That, that, that was, obviously a thing that happens. <laughs> I'm not going to ace Lee out of this portion of the conversation, but we were joking about this before we got started. And as it turns out now, we have a full four fifths of the participants in this discussion in the Eastern time zone, which is going to make for a very challenging opening week of the season, particularly opening night of the season, given it's the latest game on the slate uh, tonight. 
How do the other three of you in the Eastern times, I have no choice, but how do the other three of you feel about uh, a game that will last well past midnight? Well, so I found my beloved vanilla Coke at the grocery <laughs> store. Um, because of the tin shortage with COVID, it has been very difficult to track down, but it's the only soda I drink. So I'm just going to keep drinking these until I'm like absolutely insane. And my poor husband is like, oh my God, will you please shut up woman? Um, so yeah, I'm just going to drink all of these. Shout out to uh, Vanilla Coke and to the Sun-Times. Crystal, you are the official product placement member of this panel. And thank you for that, because I can only help out. uh, Trying to get some sponsorships. Yeah, because they are are wanting and lacking. Uh, Okay, uh, Joe, Tommy, you're going to be able to uh, hold up. Am I going to see you post-game? Absolutely. Yes. I'm I'm very ready to stay up tonight. This is a special day of the year. And you know, I, lately, at least, I haven't been getting to bed like that much earlier anyway. So um, I, it is, this is no problem considering it's opening day. Uh, oddball or uh, oddity of a staff of uh, 40 that we have the entire Indianapolis office here in this uh, <laughs> podcast. So actually, Joe, if you find yourself uh, uh, lagging, I believe there is a stack of, I think, six to seven cases of uh, vanilla Coke in case, you know, like about seventh inning, you're starting to lag, miss a half inning, get over crystals. You know, I'm sure she'll give you, she'll give you like a six pack and then you'll do the rest of the way. I've got coffee. I've got tea. I've got soda. We're good. Great. (laughs) How weird has this been for everybody just to, to have lived in this baseball world now for almost, I guess, a full year uh, without any sort of normalcy and maybe attached to that question is how apprehensive, given the situation that's going on right now in Washington, how apprehensive are you about uh, the fact that we might not get 162 games? And down in Texas, where they're known not to play by many rules, it's going to be like, a, what, a sellout crowd or, or, or something? I mean, they're making Florida look like uh, they're smart. So uh feelings just going into this obviously we're all this is all sort of uh, christmas eve or christmas morning but uh from there yeah i mean it's going to, it's going to be very interesting what happens uh presumably most states now illinois has not but uh i think most states have gone to vaccination is available to all adults um that doesn't mean you can actually get the shot uh, there are still plenty of people that, uh, particularly friends of my wife's, who uh, they're just going, yeah, where can I go? Where can I? I've been trying for months, and you know they're not getting it. So there is that problem. Uh, the question would be when the players can actually get vaccinated. And given that I don't know, you guys uh, have been vaccinated or not? I'm, I'm being the, being a geezer. I'm in that category where not only did I get the shots fairly early but we're not really susceptible to a problem with them as much as younger people are, I guess, because our immune systems aren't as powerful or whatever. Uh, it could be that when the players do get shots, particularly the second shot, if they're doing a Moderna or a, or a Pfizer or even the first shot, uh, my daughter-in-law had a lot of trouble. She did the Johnson and Johnson and, and had a real bad day after that. That That's not going to be a long-term problem, but the guys who may have to sit out a day or two uh, after getting the shot. So there's little minor disruptions in addition to the possible major disruptions of we had last year where a team just couldn't play for, well, a week or two at the Marlins and, and the Cardinals last year. 
And I think the taxi squad may be a thing that comes back into full force where you have more extra players readily available for situations like that. As much as they don't want to do that, I just, I, I have to see that being in play as we get further into the season because we saw it last year. It became impossible to try to reschedule these games. And now that they're trying to fit in a full season of baseball, you're not going to have that opportunity to just keep canceling games. So, I mean, I have to think that's going to come into play in the next month or so. We feel okay about the, uh, the minors playing out. Normally we've already seen AAA get uh, pushed back a month. Uh, and Charlotte will be starting with the rest of the minor leagues. Obviously, the travel there is a much easier situation to create these sort of mini bubbles in the major leagues with private jets and so forth. To me, it would seem like uh, a team at least who cares about their AAA players would be willing to make, oh, I don't know, some luxury buses or a private jet available to the team to travel that way rather than say, hey, we got to push it back because they're still traveling commercial it helps that everything has been more localized and basically all the, the entire slate's going to be just a week of games out of place. And Charlotte's playing the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp 650 times this year. So all that sort of like regional play helps. But, um, you know, the majors is one thing, but they're, they're fueled by the minors. And is there going to be any sort of disconnect uh, there with maybe the minors not being able to get off the right way? That was an optional question. I mean, nobody has to answer, of course. I I think so, but I don't know. I, the whole situation with the minor leagues to me is just so screwed up that I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin to tackle most of the changes that, they, that they've made where it just feels arbitrary at this point for a lot of it. And there are so many opportunities that could have been taken to make the um, transition easier for the minor league players. There's so many opportunities that could have been made to make either an increase in salary or to your point, provide travel that is, um, you know, not commercial for them to more easily tra- travel more safely, things of that nature. And just none of those things have been taken advantage of. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it may come down to a high profile prospect getting, you know, COVID or something happening with them for that to finally change where they realize, hey, this really is a problem that has direct impact on the major leagues. Because right now, it just seems like they're treating it as a separate issue that they don't have to deal right. with. You also go down in the minors. It's not just travel. No, I mean, these guys, as you get, particularly as you get lower in the minors, the guys who didn't have some nice big signing bonus, these guys live four to a small apartment. Uh, sometimes, I mean, I lived in Dayton for a number of years, the Dayton Dragons, a single A team. Uh, a lot of those guys, they lived in the community. They lived in somebody's house. That house had teenagers. Uh, Trying to create some kind of bubble for that situation is really, really difficult. And uh, as Tommy indicates, how hard are the major leagues really going to work yeah. at getting that to happen? Probably not very. Eric Sim used to write for us. He never played in the White Sox organization, but he became a pretty high-profile advocate for minor leaguers, uh, though uh, you know now long retired. Uh, I believe at one point was living in a house with guys, and because it would cost him a little bit less rent, he decided to live in a closet. 
So he actually made a closet, his bedroom, because he paid <laughs> just a little bit less uh, along with that, probably at somewhere in the A level. Okay, I am getting the um, shadow from Zoom looming over us. So how about we just go around and let's let's maybe get a prediction or a read on what is going to happen here on opening night for the White Sox. All right, I'm going to start. Andrew Vaughn is going to hit three home runs tonight. It's going to be so late scratch layer Garcia. Andrew Vaughn gets in for some big hits and uh, no errors, of course, in left field, no errors. Uh, So that's pretty sweet. And I'll ask Crystal is this is going to be is this are we going to have a a cross site pollination with Billy down there with you or is he in Chicago or how is how are the different sites? How's the Sox machine uh, Southside Sox Alliance going to work out? He, He is here. Um, my children will be in bed probably like two hours before the game even starts, but um, he's here. If he actually stays up, I will <laughs> be very surprised. You've got uh, vanilla Coke. He doesn't, he doesn't drink soda. He doesn't drink any caffeinated beverages at all because he's like healthy, unlike me. Mm. So it'll probably just be me in my living room trying to just be quiet and let everyone else sleep. You can say it, Crystal. He just doesn't care enough. He doesn't want it enough. It's okay. We yeah. can say that. We can trash talk a little between sides too. I came into this fan base and he just stopped caring. He all this work trying to get me over here and then he just stopped caring. All right, let's move up. Uh, Tommy, what's the prediction for tonight? I, I think it's going to be a, a big opening uh, coming out party for Zach Collins. Um, I I do think that some of what he showed in spring training was legit, and I wouldn't be surprised if he um, made some noise tonight. Uh, Okay, aside from uh, three stolen bases for Luis Robert, uh, what's it going to be for you, uh, Joe? I'm actually going with Giolito and Moncada to be co-MVPs tonight, and the White Sox will win 3-2. to two. Giolito had the weak start of last season on the opener, but I think he bounces right back and nails the opening day start tonight. Okay, Lee, as you've made it clear, you've seen more opening yeah, days yeah, than any of us. He, so. he had that horrible start last year, just had too much, so much adrenaline pushing last year that the high fastball was, was a little over-the-head high fastball through uh, the early part of it. I think he, by pitching a playoff game, he showed that he has got his nerves under a little better control than he had of an opening day last time. I think it'll be fine. I believe that um, 538 has the odds tonight as 51-49 in favor of uh, the Angels, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say the score will not be (laughs) 51-49. And uh, it'll be much, much more defensive than that with Lewis, Lu, uh, Lucas out there. I think the Sox pull it off, but in a end up about a four to three range. I like the fact that they've taken a lot of momentum into opening day. They turn it around in the right way. And you can say that stuff doesn't matter any, but hey, they're feeling good. They're feeling confident they can crow a little bit and get away with it because they basically haven't, you know, they haven't lost in a while. Uh, okay. All right. I guess they lost their last game, but uh, yeah, you know, and Lucas, you're right. The the transformation between Dallas Keiko sort of laughing at him, seeing how nervous he was uh, a pregame for opening day to taking a perfect game. What is it like through five, right? Uh, opener of the playoffs. Uh, that alone tells you that you shouldn't see that kind of duplication, even if he is sort of back in his home state. 
He's probably going to have a lot of people there, even though not many people can get into the park. Uh, apparently, two Southside Soxers, including your son, Lee, were going to be there uh, over the weekend. So that's going to be pretty yeah, sweet. Uh, sun, Sunday night, uh, he was even looking. They opened up some more seats. They went. They had 25% limit. They opened it up to 33. So they've opened up a few more, but they're, they've been really expensive, except for some reason Sunday was cheap. So that's when he's going down there. As I've already got commitments from most of you, post-game, we're going to be doing a podcast after the game. If the game's going lousy, we may even start it early. Who's to say? But, uh, you know, it'll probably be a a post-midnight or so uh, post-game opening day podcast. So we are going to be coming at you again twice. 74-year-old will not be here for that. (sighs) Well, that's all right. You will be there in spirit, and I will try to uh, at least – Pour one out for the the duty geezer for sure, for sure. And hopefully we'll all just be celebrating a win. So we'll know that you went to bed happy as well. A ton of coverage today. Of course, you've already seen a bunch of stuff on site. Uh, We're going to revamp the six pack of stats a little bit. I'm writing the recap for the first, uh, the first game for opening day. We may do a live game thread. That doesn't really seem to go over because people just seem to want to make comments in game threads. Go figure. So I might not bother with all that, like every minute update or not, but uh, we'll see. That's a possibility. A lot of fun stuff to read already. We got Colleen Sullivan's uh, Know Your Enemy coming out about the Angels. You can learn all about the reasons you used to hate those guys. Uh, and again, throughout the whole season, we're going to have a ton of stuff for you to be reading, listening to. We're doing more podcasts than ever. Uh, several people here are have their own. So, you know, hey, uh, the network uh, grows and widens. Uh, so, listen, thanks, everybody, for joining me here. Uh, let's have a good opening day and a big win, even though it's going to be late for most of us, well, for all of us. And uh, hey, it's not so, it, no danger of snow. So I suppose that's a good thing too. No danger of somebody hitting home run and losing it on the way out uh, over the fence. So thanks everybody for listening and watching. Uh, stay tuned all season, of course, to Southside Sox for really the most comprehensive, biggest, most diverse, most fun coverage you're going to find anywhere of the White Sox. And thanks for hanging in with us here on our opening day pregame podcast. Hope it was an enjoyable listen for you.